0: You found yourself on another episode of Locked on Bulls. In today's episode, me and Pat are going to be grading Zach Levine's season. We're also going to talk about why the Bulls' defense isn't as good as maybe what the numbers will tell you and dive into the mailbag. All that and more on today's episode of Locked on Bulls.
1: You are Locked on Bulls,
0: your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're tuning in to Locked On Bulls, member of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. That's Pat, the designer, host and creator of the Windy City Breeze, and host of the Chicago Bears podcast on ESPN 1000. I'm Hayes, host and creator of Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bears Central. Pat, let's get into it, man. We're going to grade the season of Zach Levine. Now, this is a – it's a tell of like two – no, like two-thirds and one-third. No, it's – let's say half and half the season because he really started turning it on in December. Yeah, uh, Started off the season slow because of, you know, recovering from surgery, which we all kind of expected. But once he started turning it around, Lord, did he start looking like the Zach Levine that we needed and wanted to see on this roster this season. Ultimately, though, Pat – what goes into your grade for Zach Levine this
2: season? Uh, I grade, I grade, here's the tough part. I did the same thing with Alex Crusoe. I got to do it with Zach Levine. I got to grade you on what actually happened on the court the entire season. Uh, do mm-hmm. I think that Alex Caruso is a better defender when he's not guarding centers? Yes. Um, but unfortunately... He had to guard centers, so that goes into the grade. Same thing with Zach Levine to me. Uh, I, I thought that the entire season we were going to see this Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. It just took a while for him to get comfortable, for him to feel like himself, for him to get to the point where all of a sudden he's uh, uh, he, he became that Zach Levine again. I think early on in the season, me and you both pointed out the fact that um, – Right. He was being a better facilitator. He was being a better on ball defender. He was being, a, he he was having uh, 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 better moments uh, finding his place on the court and getting his teammates more involved in the game, but he wasn't getting the shot to fall. And at the end of the day, we paid him to be able to score points. Zach Levine was putting up like 12 points in games out here. It was crazy to say. Um, And I think at the end of the day, right, like that he finally got himself into that rhythm. He got himself offensively going. But there was, like you said, a half of a season where he basically was not a consistent factor on the offensive end. So for me, I I give him a similar grade like I gave Crusoe today. I'm going to go with a B minus, right? I think that in the second half of the season, he got himself going. He got himself on the attack a little bit more. But we still saw that pop up where he wasn't a factor in that last game versus the... uh, um, who did we lose to? The Atlanta Hawks, right? Uh, No, we didn't lose to Atlanta. Who we lose? The Miami Heat, I should say. In that last game versus the Miami Heat, right? We didn't see Zach Levine be a real offensive factor in that game. We didn't see him be somebody that we could count on, playing and play out to will us to that next level. We saw that in, the, in in that Toronto game, but we didn't see that in the next game. And I think that those moments still played a part. I do think that he improved this season in a lot of aspects, and I think that he's somebody that we're going to enjoy having on this team if he's able to play like he did in the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, and so much like you, you do have to be fair in grade what was on. Um, I I will say he did grow at times as a facilitator to me because there are times where I absolutely did not want to see him do that, but he just didn't have the supporting cast that, that could hit shots. I also think this was probably one of Zach Levine's better defensive seasons, especially once he started getting healthy as well. But then once he was able to go to his role, go to more of a role where he was able to kind of just focus on the things that come to him naturally, of course he looked better. Um, And, you know, the scoring and just like some of the nights where it just he was just unconscious from from uh, the floor overall. And you saw and you could see those games like you always know the games with Zach Levine's filling it right when he hits a couple of those step back uh, (laughs) shots. And it's like, okay he's filling it. Then he'll take, you know, the catch. Uh, The catch and shoot that's like from Steph Curry range is what I call it. goes in nothing but net. you're like, all right, this is about to be a good Zach Levine game. And then what I also like seeing from Zach Levine in the second half of the season wasn't just the scoring output. It was also how he was scoring. He became a much more efficient scorer, getting to the free throw line more often. He went from averaging about uh, 3.9 free throws a game to, in the month of January, 7 free throws per game in the month of February seven free throws a game in the month of March six and a half free throws per game so that tells me that he was attacking a lot more frequently and understanding how to use his speed and athleticism a little bit more a Zach Levine that's going to shoot that's going to play that way and get to the free throw line that's a dangerous man and so yeah great it was an A plus after about midway through December but you have to be fair and judge the whole season I'm going to be a little bit higher than you I'm giving him a B
2: I'm not mad at that, right? Like, I, I think yeah. that there's here, here's what I'll say um, to me about Zach: the moments that we still, I, I think, in the second half, he showed up in more moments than not, and yeah. I, that's that's the that's the part that I love about it. But the biggest moments, he still didn't happen to show up in, right? The biggest moments, I think, he scored 14 points. In that last game or something like that, 15 points in that last game, that's not enough. We need more. We need Agreed. you to be our focal point. We need you to be our offensive leader. We need you to be the guy. It's like I said early on in the season, right? Like when you hear about LeBron James scoring sub-20, it's like LeBron James haven't done this since uh, he was a 14-year-old in high school. That's the last time he scored sub-20. It's because he had 800 assists that game. You know what I mean? Like That's, <laughs> that's usually when you hear about yeah. your number one players having those games. It with Zach Levine, it's like it was last week. Now in the second half, again, he he improved his game much better. And I think that on the defensive end, and, and the part that got me, the one thing I will say is very much like I talk about with P. Will, with Javante, mm. guys like that, right? Like he found a way to make an impact even if the shot wasn't falling. This fact. That's what I love that we saw from Zach Levine to me in the second half of the season. I could feel his impact on the court even when his shot wasn't falling. And and so I, I do think that he played much better. I'd probably give him a A minus a- uh for the second half of the season. Um, but but that first half, I mean, like it it was bad. Like the 0 for 14 game, he's beefing with Billy Donovan because he's getting benched in a game. And and we saw games where he gave you nothing. Like he was hurting you defensively, hurting you offensively, hurting you. You know what I mean? And so I think that those those games to me stick out very, very largely. But I love that he got himself, um, I don't know if under control is right. I, I love that he got his confidence back. You can tell that, right? Because all of a sudden he's driving to the bucket, moving people out of his way as he's going for a LA. lay. Yeah, absolutely. And did you know that Zach Levine actually was top 10 in minutes played this year
0: in the NBA? And considering yeah. how, how he was managed at the beginning of the season, uh, as far as the injury management, that's it's just wild to think. And, you know, going in, so now we've get, given the grade, going into next season, and, you know, we'll do this, reevaluate again as we get closer to the season, know yeah. what the roster is going to look like. But do you think we're going to get Zach Levine after december to start the season next season and if that does happen how do you think that changes how, what our expectations around the chicago bulls should be going into the season
2: i think the zach got a lot of confidence in the second half of the season and so i yeah. do think that you're going to be able to get that i think that that also goes into what the chicago bulls want to do though Right? Like, listen, I don't want Zach Levine with the ball in his hands 90% of the time. I want to have a point guard in here that's going to be able to find Zach Levine so that he can attack a point guard that is a threat. You know, that goes to AK to me. Uh, but I do yeah. think that Zach Levine will be a more confident scorer. I think that having a healthy offseason – and, and, I've talked about this a couple of times. I asked a couple of pros, right? What are y'all working on during the season? And it's literally just nothing. It's like you're working on the next game that you're getting prepared for. Or right, like you, are like you're you're working on the things that you've already done. The offseason is the important time. Zach Levine didn't get to have that offseason because of the surgery, right? He didn't get to have that but So it so it bled into the season and it took him a while to get himself going in the season. I think with an off season where Zach Levine can improve on some things, whether it be IQ, whether it be having a better handle, whether it be having right like he, Zach could break people down, but Lord knows he'll dribble that thing off his leg. Whether it's it's improving the grip strength out here, because yeah. my God, how many times do we see? And the basketball was just gone. I was like, "Bro, like you holding the ball? Like what's going on? How you losing it up there?" Um, I think that I told, we're going to see you, the listen, improvement. I said
0: it with I said it with Valus. I told you, like he can get that grip strength under under control. Just work with Tiana Trump over the off season. Hey.
2: <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm just
0: saying,
2: hey man. I mean, listen, hey. He he won't he he won't lose is another ball. There? The whole is, is she there or is he just watching tape? That's the, that's the <laughs> both can improve no. the grip strength if you really think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I'm trying. Well, to, I'm, for the health of his situation,
0: maybe just watch some tape. Yeah, that's maybe just watch some tape. We'll I'm like, hold on now. This man's got a family
2: out here. <laughs> hey, he's trying to ruin families out here, brother. <laughs> hey, listen. I, I, listen, I just want wins, bro. I, I just want wins. Whatever. Whatever. By any means necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to win, bro. Whatever it takes, man. <laughs> Oh, that's funny,
0: man. That's wild. All right, next up, we're going to be talking about. uh, I have this thing that I want to talk about. Why the Bulls' defense may not be as good as what that number five ranking overall may tell us. But before we do that, got to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors, and that's Prize Picks. Now, Prize Picks is one of the best and easiest places to to play daily fantasy sports. Now, how does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they'll go on to score more or less than the prize pick projection. You can win up 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prospects offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, which is a training camp just opened. Seasons right around the corner preseason starts on Friday. Can't wait. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit 100, PrizePix will give you 100. If you deposit 50, PrizePix will give you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Pat, so the Bulls defense... Uh, The defensive rating, we ranked at uh, number five. I think we came in at five overall. At at times, we were the number one defensive uh, rating uh, ranked team in the league at at certain points in the season. But I kind of looked at some things, and I want to ask you this, uh, Pat. And the reason why the Bulls' defensive rating may be a little bit misleading is because of a few things. We know that as, as a team, the Chicago Bulls do not go for offensive rebounds. As soon as the shot goes up, they go and set up on the defensive end, which limits transition opportunities for the other team, which is one of the most efficient shots that opposing teams can get. Now, on top of that, we also don't turn the ball over as much as what it seemed like we did at one season, which also limits those transition buckets. So the Bulls do a really good job at limiting, limiting that transition defense. When you take away those numbers and just look at the half-court defense, the Bulls actually rank 25th, which is towards the bottom half of the league. So, Pat, I want to ask you this and throw this to you. With the Bulls' defense, you know, we always, and we've done it here, everybody does, and I don't mean it as like a negative. Yes, we had the fifth best ranked defense per, that's basically an advanced analytics stat. But if the Bulls can improve their half-court defense, and I also think it improves their offense if they can crash the offensive boards a little bit more, what do you really think the defensive ceiling is? And I know we expect changes over this offseason, but for this Bulls team, if they can improve that half-court defense with other things.
2: I think to me, um, while the half court definitely was an issue, right? Because, I mean, Mm -hmm. Muzz was getting to the bucket too easily on on a consistent basis. But the problem with the Bulls' defense is that they couldn't turn it into anything. What's the point of playing defense to go down and miss? And I right think that, I think that I think that that's the part that we really need to focus in on. It does go back mm. to the offensive players having shooters. How many times do we see the Bulls get four, or five stops in a row? They kick it out to the corner. It's Pat Beverly taking a three. It's it's you know what I mean. It's yeah. uh, I almost said Troy Brown Jr. He ain't here no more. You know what yeah. I mean? It's Alice Caruso taking a three. It's uh, Nikola Vucevic trying to cut to the bucket. It's Patrick Williams not get or not trying to take the three going to the bucket or something like that. Whatever it is, right? Like we don't have the offensive system to. take... Take advantage of the fact that we actually have times where we do have some good half-court defense, uh, and and, I, and that goes into it, right? Because here's the thing: that when when you can turn defense into offense, you break what the other team's momentum is. The Bulls couldn't break the other team's momentum. Team could come down, they could miss four or five shots in a row. It don't matter because they also were missing four or five shots in a row. So we're not getting behind in the game. We saw it in that in that Toronto game when the Bulls had that half-court defense working and they got the ball out. quickly and Zach Levine's able to take off, get to the bucket three, four times in a row, turning that defense into offense. All of a sudden, Toronto just gave up. Yeah. It breaks your momentum. It breaks your will to fight back when you make a mistake four or five times and it actually gets capitalized on. That, to me, is the Chicago Bulls' biggest problem with their defense because, listen, like, like I said, if, if I miss five times but you miss five times, guess what? Mm-hmm. We both having a bad day. We're in the same yeah. boat. I can come back from that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the Miami Heat game all day long. The yeah.
0: difference is Butler just turned it on for him. For, um, and just, it hasn't I- stopped yet. <laughs> um,
2: well,
0: that ankle stop Yeah, well, let's hope the ankle doesn't stop him against
2: in game Man, two, nothing but. like a shot of Toradol at the backside do <laughs> I get you going. Yeah, I mean, look, look you know I mean? Nothing like. We, a, we, can bye. we go on wax and say that? Hey, <laughs> are we allowed to say that come, on the air, bro? Come on, bro. We've watched many <laughs> a players go into the locker room with their ankle half hanging off and they come back doing a backflip onto the court. <laughs> it's like, I wonder what happened to him back there. You know what happened to him, bro. So <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Um, ultimately, like the thing that I want to see the Bulls and hopefully with the way that they change this rosters to what you said, add some actual shooters out there, right? That that can help. I think some some three and D, even just one really high-level three and D player would drastically change this team. Yeah. Um, but if you can add a couple of them and the thing that I am the biggest concern that is that looking at this team and how they operate, we're not going to get both. And I, I want to go ahead and prepare. You're not going to get a point guard. You're not going to get size and you're not going to get three and D shooting. Yeah. It, 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 we're, we're, we'll be lucky to get two out to three, but more than likely we're going to get one out to three and, and, and roll the dice that way. Um, and you know, I, I, That is going to help so much. I think that's going to help Zach um, as well, and just his efficiency as well as we talked about, like him just not having people out there that that make shots, and you know that changes a little bit uh, there as well. And I think also the Bulls players, like we need to play certain players more. Kobe White has now shown you he deserves to play more. And he is one of your better defensive guards. That's crazy that Kobe White's turned into that. Yeah. And hopefully he has a repeat of that, hopefully if Io does stay around, we can get back to him giving us what he gave us defensively at one point in time. And also I want to I want to ask you this before we end this segment. We still got a little bit of time left in the segment um, to get to loop it all back to Zach Levine. Uh, we've talked about him holding on to the ball better, being better in those type of decisions. How much could a Zach Levine who is locked in defensively, like we, we saw it at times this season, um, yeah. How much could that single-handedly change the Chicago Bulls and what they can do defensively.
2: Well, I I think you look at it with um, the the Golden State Warriors, right? Nobody would look at Stephen Curry and say that he's this dominant defender. I'd say even the Sacramento Kings, right? Nobody would look at the Kings at all this season and say that there's this dominant defender, but when you lock in, when you have those moments where, okay, one-on-one, it's me. If I get this stop, we're able to go to the next level. That takes your game to a completely different level because yeah, is he known as this dominant one-on-one defender? Absolutely not, but are you just going to be able to blow past him and be able to, you know, uh, 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 destroy him? Are you going to be able to pick him out and just say, hey, one-on-one, I can kill you no matter what? No. And so I think that that changes your game on the defensive end. And when a player like that does it, when your leader does it, it gives you the confidence to be like, hey, yo, yeah, we in here. Oh, we locked in defensively. The the, the Bulls' best defensive moments to me this season were when Zach Levine and DeMar DeRosa were locked in. When they were locked in defensively, this team was unstoppable defensively. They run in the floor, they in transition, they turn a the defense into offense. The problem was right, like we weren't in enough of the positions this season for that defense to matter. We weren't in the, the the moments where right, like we had too many moments where we're trying to climb out of a twenty point deficit out here. We're trying to climb out of a right because we're we got off the bad first quarter starts, things like that. So you have to put yourself in a position for those moments to matter, but. It, to me that's the times where the bulls were their best defensively because it just looked like oh our leaders are locked in defensively let's keep this thing going yeah I mean it it, it does do something whether you know we could talk all day if
0: it should take that or not but like it does something when you're when your best players are making and sacrificing themselves defensively yeah um yeah you know charge. that's why pat Bev when he was taking the charges that he took at times like it does change the tone yeah um and so I i I just want, and I, and I'm trying to get out of expecting things that just aren't in the personality of people. Like Zach will never be that vocal rah rah leader at all that we need on the scene. He's just not going to be that. But I do want to see Zach Levine and Demar while he's here, and, and and other players just realize on your moment, yeah, whatever that means at that time, because not only does that, that that pushes the. Uh, the energy of sacrifice throughout the team it gets the crowd involved in it or takes them out of it if you're in the opposing uh, uh teams arena and i just want to see him do a little bit more of those things going into next season as well we know you're not going to be the, the, the vocal guy that's cool now that, that's not in everybody d rose wasn't the vocal guy he was i'm going to prove it to you on the court luckily he had noah there who, I don't even know if anybody could talk any if no while Noah was out even if they wanted to. Uh, so, you know, I just want to see Zach kind of step into that a little bit more yeah. coming into next season.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that um the 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 aspect that gets this Bulls team to the next level, it really does sit on Zach Levine's shoulders here. Him being the consistent guy that he was in the second half of the season Mm -hmm. makes everyone else's life easier. Absolutely. Defensively, what he was in the second half of the season makes everybody else's life easier because everybody's buying into the same system. Everybody's working on the same page because the leader said so. DeMar DeRozan in the second half of the season said he's our leader. When, When he's on, we're on. Right? Guess what? He wasn't on in that Miami game, and we lost. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact.
0: So, hey, we'll see what that means for the Bulls and if they can uh, they can step up in those areas next season. But before we go today, last segment of the day, we got a mailbag. We haven't been very good at promoting or doing this (laughs) as often as what we should be. We're going to try to be a little bit better at that going into uh, next season and and now in the offseason as well. So make sure you guys stay tuned in for that for anybody who is wondering, how do you leave? a voicemail for Locked on Bulls. We're about to tell you that now. The number to do so is 331-979-1369. But let's go ahead and play these voicemails for today.
1: This is Robert Schwartz. Robert. I w- <clears throat> I would bring back Pack 5 and I would try to go get some shooters that we need because, you know, the Bulls lacked in the threes this year. So... That's all I you know. I bring, you know, Pat Bev back and go get a guard. I don't know what Monzo Boss you know issue, not issue, but his status and Sea Red Nation.
0: All right, shout out hey, to Rob for C-Red. out here. Yeah, uh, so bringing back Pat Bev. I think me and you both have kind of. I'll, I'll speak for me because I'll, I'll let you take yeah. your time, but. I've I've kind of written off sign recite like once he made his contract uh uh desires known that kind of priced the bulls out of that for me. What about Did you, it Dad? though. Here's what I say.
2: Okay. What team is giving him 15 mil? This is facts. You are only as valuable as your market. Now, if he's able to go out there and get 15 mil from a team, Shout out to him. Kudos to him, right? Maybe that is what the uh the Sacramento Kings want to add, a little bit more grit, right? Maybe that's something that the uh uh um the OKC Thunder wanna add, a little bit more grit, right? Maybe New Orleans, one. but but uh, who's who's giving Pat Bear 15 mil? I
0: have no idea, bro. That's a great question. But so, okay, let me ask you this. Because the most the Bulls can give him. Right, because we don't have Burr rights yeah, on him yeah. is our full mid-level exception. That's
2: 11.5. Yeah, I'd give him that. I'd give him 11. Give, so 11 that,
0: that, that would mean that we're not adding anything else to the team unless it's through trades. That means that the shooters, 3 and D, size, we're not adding anything. We're literally re-signing Pat Bev. Well,
2: I mean, if, if we're going in with the mindset that nothing is going to change, then maybe, mm-hmm. right? Maybe then, then you don't re-sign Pat Bev. But I think, to me, right, I still have the mindset that Something major is going to change here. We'll talk about it tomorrow a little bit. Um, about Nikola Vucevic coming back. Is he gonna come back to Chicago? I think Vooch wants to be here, but Vooch also knows his value. All right? Listen, like Vooch is worth Vooch is still a twenty million dollar big in today's NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Some Bulls fans will have you think opposite, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, it, it, it ain't about what we think. It's about what GMs think. Yeah. I'll tell you this right now. There's a lot of teams out there that will give Vooch $20 million. And they will look at what he did here and say, yes, he was underutilized. We'll give him more of an opportunity. Most teams what, aren't what, looking for Vooch what, to what, be what, a big. We're, we're, we're diving in a little bit too much. We're telling this, this is tomorrow's
0: content. This is tomorrow's content. True, but, uh, true.
2: But I think I think if nothing, if if you're gonna have a major change, I'm fine mm-hmm. with bringing Pat Bev back. If we're not gonna have a major change, then I mean you got to spend that mid level exception on a change.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it really it really comes down to how much is A.K. willing to to move off of some other things. But you know, is there a chance that Pat Bev? I think there's still a chance that Pat Bev goes up there to try to get that and realizes, oh yeah, my market probably is about eight. Yeah. And then the Bulls can can get in. We, the Bulls have re-entered the conversation at that yeah. point. The Bulls have entered the group chat. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to completely write it off as like a zero. I, I, at this point, we're, we're, what I feel without kind of having a, a firm grasp on what the Bulls' plans are going to be this offseason, yeah. I'll say I'm putting Pat Bev coming back at about 25%. That's how I feel
2: about it. Hey, listen, at 15 mil, it's zero. <laughs> yeah, <at> 15 <laughs> mil is a zero. Yeah, 15 mil is a zero. But at 8, so. eight to 11, I'd I'd, I'd probably go... I'd probably go a little bit higher. I'd probably say it's a 50-50 chance because I don't think there's a $15 million market for Pat Bev. But if there is, shout out to Pat Bev for having a $15 million market. <laughs> we'll see, man. Hey, teams
0: do some weird things, bro. Oh, yeah. Teams do some weird things at times, man. So uh, I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, but all right, let's go ahead and play this next voicemail.
1: What up, Hayes? What up, Pat? This is Xavier Garcia. Hey. Um, I'm a Milwaukee listener. I'm from... Lake County originally so Chicago Bulls fan love what you guys have been doing I've been listening for a long time um I just wanted to say that I am so torn on this team and when I look at a team like Miami and the way that they're structured and what Spolster tries to do and the way that he's kind of changed NBA defenses by moving off from the more bulkier power forwards to a more slimmer uh, small forward technically, usually the heavier small forward is the guy that's going to be playing the power forward or even guarding the, the opposing teams for. But when I look at them and compare it to what AK and, and Billy are trying to do with Chicago, it seems like they're, you know, it seems like they're right there. You know, I mean, we have a similar player with DeMar to Jimmy. We got the sec, we got the, who should be the main scorer in my opinion in Levine and we saw that in the second half. Um, and we got the interior presence with some post playmaking with Booch, you know, in comparison to, uh, to Bam. Um, but it feels like they're right there. And I mean, Derek Jones Jr. is a good archetype for the type of people that they wanted before, but I just don't think he's produced enough to show that. Um, but we definitely see them trying to gear toward this new era of NBA of, of switching defenses, having four shooters having your main post hub. We see a lot of teams kind of going that way. And it seems like the bulls are trying for that. Um But we're just so hamstrung by Lonzo's injury and his contract. In my opinion, I think the only way forward, I think we got to keep Zach. And I think the only way forward is that we got to, we got to move on from DeMar. I don't like saying that. I like DeMar. I, I don't, it's not that I think he's horrible and he's a, a cancer on the team, but, I think to get what we want out of Kobe white, out of Patrick, and then also, you know, the type of offense that Billy wants to run um, to where a lot of it's coming through Vucevic and being kicked out to either Zach with his amazing spot up shooting, obviously P will can hit that corner really good. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to see them look into uh into somebody like, you know, Harrison Barnes or someone who can kind of fill a similar role to what P will is doing, but is a little older and can guide him. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Love the show. Love what you guys do. I listen every day. Keep it up. Peace.
2: That was a great I call. Very great sensible. Call. Very well thought very out. Very well, well thought out. Clap it up for that call. Shout out to that out here. That was a great call right there. You know, that was better than some of the ones we get where it's like, Bulls got to trade tomorrow.
0: Hang up.
1: What? <laughs> yeah, we did We
0: did
2: sift through quite a few calls here it was just like hey hey suck all right bye all right, <laughs> back. I'm like, I agree kind of but I don't know um I, I'll say this I don't disagree with here, here's everything is a process right and I know the process is a Philly thing but like everything is a process it's going to take us years to get there I think that we have a foundation of players that you want for the next step. We just don't have the finished form of those players yet. And here's what I will say. Monte Ellis and Stephen Curry loved each other. They enjoyed Mm. playing with each other. They enjoyed being teammates that is kind of the situation that you're in here now because it's a lot easier to move on from a DeMar DeRozan right now and add pieces. I think a lot of people think we're just trading them and like nothing's coming back. We have to get players back. <laughs> like like literally players have to come back in the deal. He makes too much money. So I, I think that, that that type of trade could be on the board because the Chicago Bulls would be able to maximize while DeMar's still at a, a really high level, be able to go out there and get a couple of players back to add to the team. And then it allows your young players that you have here to take that next step and take a step forward I'll also say this though we saw DeMar take a step back this season at the second half of the season taking less shots allowing Zach Levine to be the focal point that's the kind of DeMar that I want on this team we came into the season talking about having that DeMar so I think that if we had that DeMar all season right the 14 and was it 14 and 9 that we saw in the second half of the season could be Mm. what we see in more of the regular season throughout the year I think that there's a there's a couple of crossroads here that the Bulls are at. But realistically speaking, um, you have to ask yourself how much you believe in your young guys taking that next step. Klay Thompson was on that team with Monte Ellis and Stephen Curry. And guess what? When they removed Monte Ellis from the equation, the Splash Brothers were born. Yeah. Do you, do you have that here? Is that Zach and Kobe? Is that Zach and P Will? Is it Zach Kobe and P. Will? That's how you, you gotta remove the ad sometimes. I don't wanna I don't want it to happen because I like the dynamic that happened in the second half of the season, mm-hmm. but you can't just run it back with everything exactly the same and say we're gonna add Goran Dragic. Yeah, yeah, we're past
0: the point of running it back with everything the same and, and expecting like any type of hope to come out of that. Here's yeah. what I'll say. Um uh, the Bulls should look to explore to move DeMar as they should any expiring contract. That's just kind of my mindset with any NBA team. Yeah. Yeah, If you have an expiring contract, you look to see what you can get it because especially if you don't have like if they're not a restricted free agent or something like that, you look to see what can go out there. Because listen, DeMar's a, th- a 33, about to be 34-year-old player who very well could still be looking at that time to win the title, and he could leave for nothing. And yep. you should explore every avenue by then. And unfortunately. I don't think Demar has the mindset to be willing to come off the bench, which I think could help the Bulls the most as far as in those areas that you mentioned. And he shouldn't. If Demar sees himself in the way that he's able to play still in fourth quarter, sometimes I wouldn't accept the role off the bench either. But the Bulls should absolutely look to explore Demar. I think that clear that not only is a path to clear some space, but to bring in some of what you need. And to your point, sometimes you have to subtract to add, yep. and you also so. It, and it also removes the safety valve for, for Billy. At times, right or wrong, Billy relies heavily on Demar when maybe it should be an, another player. We've seen it happen. And so yeah. you have to play a very specific way with Demar. It's not an indictment on him as a person or a player, but it is just the reality of this game. And this this is a business still. And when you have an asset that could leave for nothing, you do need to explore the market for that asset.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, listen, we and like we said, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but we might lose Vooch for nothing. Yeah. That's a, that's a reality that the Chicago Bulls are in right now, money-wise. Like, you might lose Fooch for nothing. So, realistically, you have to, like you said, explore that avenue and realize that is going to bring back something nice. At a yeah. minimum, right, you're going to get somebody that has a specific job. He's going to bring back a spot-up shooter. He's going to bring back a big man. He's going to bring back one of – he's not going to bring back a, a, a multiple things, right? But you're going to get – a couple of nice pieces that you sit there and go okay this guy could be a role player maybe this guy fits in here maybe this guy works here and at some point you got to go to your young guys i don't yeah. know if that's this season i don't know if that if kobe white has made enough of a jump and and all of a sudden in his one healthy season he's he's going to right we see all him right playing better but he's still very young he's what 23 23 yeah i think he just turned 23 p will's 23 21 or Right? Like you have really, really young guys on this team to pair with Zach Levine. And if you're going to take that next step, they're guys that have to be a part of that. When you talk about the step, the Golden State Warriors becoming the Golden State Warriors, Stephen Curry and Monte Ellis had a dynamic that was already winning, but they didn't become the Golden State Warriors until Klay Thompson, a young guy, took that next step. Draymond Green, a young guy, took that next step. Your young guys have to develop and take a net. That's how you build a team. I don't think there's not many teams unless you count, right? Like outside of any LeBron team, does the mercenary team really ever win? Where you just go out and buy the pieces for that team? Like that, we never talk about that team winning. Yeah, that's a good point. We never talk about that team going deep in the playoffs. This year they might, right? Listen, KD to the to the Suns. KD's that level of player. But for the most part, we talk about the teams that have been developed, and then maybe they add a piece on top of it.
0: Yeah.
2: I do got to point out something. The, the, the Warriors
0: weren't winning with Monta Ellis and, and they won 23 games that season.
2: Oh, no, no. I get you, right? Like, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. Took, it took, it But I get what you're saying. Remember, it took, it took remember how they way. had to remove from that. Well, no, that last yeah. season with him, right? Because they, the last season with him, they won what, 30 some games, didn't they? 38 games or No, they won, they won, they won 23 games that season. Oh, yeah, you had to remove it. I mean, <laughs> his, his yeah. the, here's the best part. I remember this vividly, right? I remember yeah. this vividly. I believe they were, retiring run TMC's numbers all together and Joe Lacob came out and they were booing him so (laughs) loud for trading Monte during this uh, when they were retiring his number and I was just like yo like they were so and I think that's the situation you got to be in here it's got to be uncomfortable you got to have that uncomfortable moment before you take that next step That's a great. And yeah, sometimes you have to do that and you have to, and it opens
0: up things for other players. And I do think that if any season is going to be the season the Bulls do that, it will be next season. The reason why I say that is because in 2024, we own our own draft pick. So if you get a look at these young guys and you increase their role and then you still lose, unlike this season, you won't have the question of, well, hey, we'll keep our pick if it falls and such and such, such and such. No,
2: you get your pick. So to your point, next season may be the season to see that. I think it is going to be, and I think the 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 biggest thing that the um the Warriors can do, or I'm sorry, the Warriors that the Bulls can do here is make sure that you're not. This is the thing that all Chicago teams do, right? We subtract, we say just get rid of it, and we don't get something of equal value. Mm. We 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 take a step back. Remember, we, we had to fire Thibs. They weren't listening to him. Get him out of here. And literally like our ownership like basically turned the players against Thibs. That's great. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the fact that our GM turned Joe Noah against Tom Thibodeau.
0: And but then Noah was so happy to get back to him in New
2: York. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah. they they, yeah. they had to hash it out because literally they came together after it was like, "Bro, why you was well, no, on was that? Jimmy, why you was wasn't on in that?" New York, but yeah. Yeah, you know I mean? It, it it was in Minnesota or something like it that. It I don't know. Minnesota. Jimmy was in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, it
0: yeah was. Yeah. It. Who was the coach of the Knicks when Derrick Rose and Joe Kimno went to the Knicks? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was Tibbs, was wasn't it? No, t- Tibbs, was, Tibbs was still in Minnesota. I don't
2: know. Jason Kidd? Was that Jason Kidd?
0: The Knicks? He was never the coach of the Knicks. Yeah, he was. He got traded. Jason no, Kidd? No, that's the Nets.
2: Not the Knicks. Jason Kidd was never the coach of the Knicks. Oh, I feel like Jason Kidd was the coach of the Knicks, bro. No, bro. We, we will no. get to the bottom of this right now. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't Jason Kidd. It would have been. That would have been.
0: Mike D'Antoni was still the coach at that time.
2: Oh, that's gross. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah that's that's ugly. That's that's ugly. Oh right? no. What
0: would have been? What it may have been? What year was that? I don't know. I'm Maybe trying to fig- anyway. I'm trying to figure out. I
2: swear, it. I swear, Jason Kidd was the coach of the Knicks and got traded. No, nah, no, nah. that was the Nets. Brother. Was he? Was, was he the coaching Nets. the Nets? Yes. <laughs> was he really? Uh, oh, it's still gross. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man! Follow us on everything at uh, Locked On Bulls. You can follow me on everything at PatTheDesigner. Appreciate. I hate that he's right. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Absolutely, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> He's there one year. They were 44 and 38, and then they traded him to the – oh, he wanted that, though, didn't he? It was something yeah, he going wanted, on with that. Yeah, game. he needed to get up out of there. He, I like, like, I he had an him. extra baby that nobody had found out about. Oh, you Oh, yeah. You guys oh, yeah. CEO.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. CEO, H-A-I-C-E. Right. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Bulls. We'll be back tomorrow as we're keeping the daily content going each and every week. And as Pat alluded to, tomorrow we're going to be talking about Nikola Vucevic and could he leave the Bulls? For absolutely nothing. We'll get into that uh, on tomorrow's episode. But thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. Before Pat the designer, I'm Hayes. This is Locked On Bulls. We out, y'all. Peace, peace.
2: Face a kid out here just clapping. Wise, crazy. Forgot about that.